Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. Uh, unfortunately, Wilkie is unavailable for this episode. He's got some uh, family stuff he had to take care of, but I am thrilled today to be joined by Caitlin Eddington. Caitlin, thank you for taking some time today. Hey, Kyle. Thank you so much for having me. This is an awesome opportunity. Yeah, we were we were joking a little bit prior and I feel bad because so many people talk about their kids, but I always just go to my nephews because that's right. like the, the kids in my life. We were talking about the the boy obsession with uh, trucks and cars, so I really feel like oh, yeah. we've, we've bonded. I think <laughs> my, my favorite story that I didn't tell you, though, is like um, my older nephew, Beckett, who's almost mm-hmm. three, like my sister got him you know, like the, the plastic, like play fruit set. So you can play oh, yeah. like grocery store. He found a yeah. block of cheese and his favorite thing is to drive his trucks on his cheese ramp. Oh, like, he just, yes. he just loves the cheese ramp. I told you everything turns into a truck. Goldfish. Ev- I mean, l- hairbrushes, every- his comb. He's always driving it up my arm. I'm like, you know what? Whatever. He's got to embrace it. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Is, is he a pretty good eater or is he fussy? pretty good he either like eats everything or he eats nothing like if there's too much excitement going on nope he could care less but then some days I'm like where does it go because he's so tiny he's like real petite for his age and I'm like I don't understand but yeah I mean he, he puts it away pretty good <laughs> yeah see uh our my older nephew is very very fussy like mm-hmm. like pizza and spaghetti that's yeah. like, that's like it but hey, my, that's like my diet. So you know what? Oh, yeah. I mean, he'll be fine. <laughs> but my my younger nephew Wyatt is just a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, like everything. And I was over there. His his um his first birthday was this past Friday. Yeah. Um, and we had the party the week before. And I'm over there, and he's got cottage cheese everywhere, like oh. in his hair, on his mm-hmm. face. But mm-hmm. of course, he wants to share the cottage cheese with Uncle Kai Kai. Yeah, yeah. So he just like globs it up in his hand <laughs> and like expects me to just lick it off his hand, which yeah. uh, if it would have been anything but cottage cheese, I would have been really in, but uh, I can't stand the texture of cottage cheese. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. My son is obsessed with cottage cheese as well. We are always bathing in it. And it's funny too, the difference between boys and girls. Cause I have a, a niece who's the same age as my son and she's so dainty. Everything is like two fingers and she's like, Ooh, no mommy. Ooh. If there's like a mess, my son is like both hands in just simultaneously just shoving it. And it's, I mean, it couldn't be more different, but yeah. So I feel your pain. I'm, you know, you yeah. just got to embrace it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit uh, about this before we started recording, but on, mm-hmm. you know, the podcast for us is just a way for us to make sure that, that the teacher story is really getting out there to the public, not, and you know, not just for other teachers, you know, mm-hmm. to, to share that story, but we just really, um, want the public and people to understand like all the great things that are going on in classrooms and and what's really happening with teachers. So we really appreciate you taking the time and um, to get started, could you just kind of tell us your backstory of how you became a teacher and why you became a teacher? Sure. So I've always, so I'm an art teacher. I teach uh, elementary K to five and I've always been an artist. I mean, whatever. I don't want to say artist, artist, but I've always been drawn to art. Um, it's my favorite subject in school. I had the most amazing memories as a child in my art class. And it's just always something I've, it's been a passion of mine. Um, 
And my aunt is an elementary school teacher. So in the summers, like I would go in the fall, you know, and help her like set up her room. And it's just something I just always love. And I thought, uh, and she could still be pretty creative. So I kind of thought I was going to be more just like a classroom teacher. In fact, that's what I originally um, kind of enrolled in when I went to college. But I had the most fabulous high school art teacher um, in ninth and 10th grade who, I mean, without sounding dramatic, like changed my life. Like, I mean, he was just fabulous and everything he did was so inspiring. And all I could think of was, I want to be you one day. Like I, this is exactly what I want for my life. And so that's kind of always stuck with me. And, um, and like I said, I kind of, when I went to college initially, like in the summer enrolled in elementary ed, and then I was like, my mom was like, what are you doing? Like art has always been such a big part of your life. Um, just go, go art education. So I did. And, um, it's been, it's been an awesome journey. I've been, I'm now just finished my 10th year teaching. Um, mm. and I was, um, teaching for 10 years in South Carolina. I'm, I live in Pennsylvania. I grew up in uh, outside of Pittsburgh. Um, and after I graduated, I actually went back to that high school art teacher who inspired me. And I, I graduated, went to him and I was like, listen, you know, what do I do? Um, the schools in, the, in my area are fabulous. And it was kind of always my dream to come back and, and be a teacher in the district that I taught in. Um, but he was like, you know what? Like good schools want good teachers. And you're going to sub if you just stick around here. They're not going to hire a first-year teacher. So, you know, go get experience. And then if you want to come back, great. And I literally took that advice and was like, okay, like that night applying to jobs all over the country. And it just so happened uh, a job in South Carolina popped up and I took the job. I got, I got hired. I got offered the job on Wednesday and accepted it. And then I moved Friday. <laughs> And just like packed up my car and I headed down to um, a little town outside of Charleston, South Carolina and, um, and kind of bounced around at a couple schools outside of Charleston. Um, But eventually, actually, after having my son, um, it was just a little bit too tough without having any family around. So I headed back to Pittsburgh and actually I'm teaching in that same district. That was like kind of always my goal. So it's kind of everything came full circle, which is, which is pretty crazy. I I mean, you never think it'll actually work out that way, but, but it's pretty awesome. Right. What, what year did you graduate college? I graduated in 08. See, we're, we're on the, like, I have the exact same story. Like, oh, really? I, I graduated <laughs> in 08 with, yeah. you know, a social studies and history degree. Uh-huh. And I, I stayed home the first year and subbed because mm-hmm. people were like, that's just what you did. That's yeah. just how you got a job. You get but, your foot in the door. Yeah. yeah. But like the third day of subbing, I was very much like this is not this is not going to be my life like i'm not no. going to wait around here so that yeah. next summer i went to a job fair and, and interviewed with some people from Houston and yeah. a couple of weeks later they offered me a job and didn't know anybody packed up yep left and went um i was there 8 8 years wow um and like i said uh, my my first nephew came 3 years ago and that was yeah. the first time i was like man i'd really that like sucks. to be closer to home yeah and then it was Christmas of 2016 that my sister mm-hmm. told me the second one was coming, that Wyatt yeah. was on his way. It's, yeah. I was just like, man, I got to – and it's um, it's been hard. This was my first year back in Wisconsin after being yeah. in Houston. And it's yeah. it's been hard because I love oh, yeah. the people down there. And Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's been great, though. I also uh, – Charleston is maybe like – uh, 
Of, don't of ever visit. Cities. Oh my god, it's don't the ever visit because you will move. Like you will live it's there, the and it really is. And it's um, that's so crazy that you have that. Because so, I've had a. I will. I'll be honest in saying this first year back in Pennsylvania has been very challenging for me, for exactly the reasons that you said. I miss the people. Like I never thought I would have. Um, embrace like southern culture the way that i did mm-hmm. I, you know the first mm-hmm. i swear i spent the first like three years down there just like literally floundering trying to assimilate into the society i was perceived as rude and like always like too fast for everyone and and then once you finally like assimilate a little bit better um i mean i loved it i thought i will live in the south forever and i'll never leave and then yeah. you have a child and your whole world gets turned upside down and you know, you're like, well, f- living 15 minutes from the beach is pretty awesome, but having a relationship with with my son and his grandparents is way more important. Right. Or like having my son grow up 10 minutes from his cousin, it just it trumps everything. So it's right. like, yeah, but I, I mean, I totally feel you with the um, transition back. I mean, because yeah. like once you've lived in another part of the country and you come back to where you grew up, it's like you see things through a totally different lens. Yeah, and I think one of the hard parts too is I had this kind of misconception because, um, you know, I have I there's five of us that went to high school together, five yeah. guys, and we were just super close. And I thought, you know, hey man, now I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna yeah. get to see these guys, and I've seen them maybe, maybe mm-hmm. one more time than I would have when I was living in Texas because, right, you know, one has two kids, one yep. has one kid. One owns a pharmacy and just got married this past Saturday. You know, oh, yeah. we're all we're all living. You know, mm-hmm. the life is so much different. But I, yeah. you know, when people ask me, I, I I miss Houston. I miss the people. I miss the opportunities. But I wouldn't I wouldn't trade the time that I've spent with my nephews and and how I've gotten to know them and how they get oh, to know yeah. me. And, yeah. And, and they just, have a relationship with you. Yeah, like they yeah. they really know you now. You're not yeah. just like a FaceTime. Yeah. screen you know yeah. yeah i i totally agree we're let's like <laughs> we really do have like very similar stories it's yeah crazy. yeah so um my 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 nephew my older nephew beckett's favorite thing is to chase me around and even though he like and then i'll go hide in the curtains yeah and he'll still like pretend that he can't find me and oh every God. every time he gets in there he's like oh kyle <laughs> i found you <laughs> So it's, silly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so fun, but, oh, uh, yeah, you awesome. know, playing with, playing with cars and blowing, blowing bubs. Oh Everybody yeah. loves blowing bubs in the summer. <laughs> oh dude. No, I have forbidden bubbles from my home because my son turns into a demon. Every time I, the bubbles come out, he's like, bubbles. he like wants to hold it. He doesn't know how to blow yet. And then he bites me. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. So my mom, I like, I told my mother, I'm like, don't bring bubbles over here. We can't be trusted with bubbles yet. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, in, in talking about your experience, you know, we we kind of share that experience. So mm-hmm. do you think it gives you a different perspective? Did you feel like you had a different perspective going back to the Pittsburgh area after having been gone than a lot of teachers that you taught with? Because I, I uh, felt like, yes. I, and, and I guess, the does it sort of change the way you view education? Like what's going on? It does. Definitely. Um, I feel like because I've taught, I've taught in every type of school. I feel like you could think of, I mean, not everyone, I don't want to be dramatic, but I've been in title one, um, rural South Carolina, 
gen generational poverty kind of town um, where there was like unimaginable things that these kids were going through that I was so, I mean, I was in culture shock when I moved down there and I was learning and getting to know my children and hearing about the things that they were dealing with at home. I, it was like beyond anything I could even fathom having grown up in like the suburbs in, in Pennsylvania, going to rural South Carolina. So mm -hmm. I felt like those first four years, I mean, it was intense, like emotionally, I would leave school just like devastated. I would spend so much of my own money, um, going out and buying things for my students because I just, I felt so bad for them, it, it, you know, just like all kinds of things. And so to have that experience where like, you have like a book being thrown at your head from a, from a second grader. And then now coming and teaching in a school that is, is fabulous. But the, I mean, there are, the behavior problems are just so non-existent compared right. to, I guess, what I've experienced in the past or just in, in any school or even just like, I mean, I've been from in, in larger schools where we've had like 1,400 children and 30 mobile units um, in the in like the PE field. Like the gym teachers did literally didn't have anywhere to, to um, have their classes. So they would have it in either two classes in the gym and one in the hallway. Um and then I've then I've been in schools that are you know brand spanking new and so it's like I've just seen so much so it it does make it a little tough to come back especially to an area that you've grown up and I had this whole vision of like the way things would be um, and you're just kind of like wow like I mean you only know the like you're only aware of what you know and like what you've experienced. So you can't fault somebody for being like, I can't believe like you think this is a big deal. You don't know what else it's like out there, but it's not their fault. It's just like, I guess because I've, I've seen so much that um, it's, it's like, I don't know what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to be, I don't know. I just like, sometimes there are first world problems. <laughs> I want to say that we experience and I'm like, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like right. there are way worse situations that we could, you know, even just and also going from like a non-union state to a union state is like been a whole new experience for me. And like, whoa, like I have rights. <laughs> like I have, I mean, but I didn't, I wasn't aware of that in South Carolina. I mean, like I said, like I, you just kind of do what you're supposed to do and you do your job. But um, I mean, there were some things that, man, I'm glad I didn't know <laughs> that I was like being totally taken advantage of as like a early teacher that I do now. Um, especially, you know, Pennsylvania is a wonderful state, um, for teachers and with the union. So it's, it's kind of crazy. It's just like, it's been a, again, like a, I'm going through like a reverse culture shock. Like I was in culture shock in South Carolina for, uh, forever. And then now I'm coming back to Pennsylvania and I'm like, oh my gosh, trying to like readjust to what I knew back in the early 2000s, you know, right. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And that's the same thing. And I, but I was surprised too, though, you know, like for me, I taught in urban Houston. So, you mm -hmm. know, some of the same problems that you were facing yeah. and similar, you know, I thought like that the system in Wisconsin would be better, like that there wouldn't be, you know, all of the same kind of political problems and mm -hmm. administrative problems. I was like, man, this is the exact same, you know, like, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, exactly. I totally agree. There's some things where I'm like, damn, you know, it doesn't matter where you teach. Like this is kind of the way it is, but yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And there, there were a few times cause I taught this past year in, in the alternative 
part of the high school that I was mm-hmm. teaching in. Mm-hmm. And there were times where these kids, I mean, and I'm not going to say that they didn't have real problems, like, yeah. you know, real broken homes and right. and stuff like that. But there were times I wanted to be like, you know, you, you act tough. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let me take you, let me take mm-hmm. you to Houston and mm-hmm. plant you into one of those schools. Oh yeah. And plant you into, you know, into some of those areas mm-hmm. and, and see if you're as tough mm-hmm. when, you, when you get down there and, so it's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a challenge. And like you said, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know what the right tact is to bring perspective without sounding yeah, um, pretentious or without sounding mm-hmm. like you're, you're better than, mm-hmm. than the rest of the people. But yeah, man. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, this is like, I'm like hearing myself and my thoughts all year because I've kind of felt that way too. Like exactly. Like you you don't want, you want to, there's a a line that you just tow and you don't want to, especially when you're new. And like, you know, I've been a new teacher this whole first year and you don't want to come in being like, well, at my old school, at my old school, at my old school, at my past experiences, because nobody likes to hear that. Like, I don't care where you work. Nobody wants to hear about like, well, at my old job, you know, this is what we had to do. You know, it's so, but, but you do want to bring perspective to it where it's like, you know, this is actually is, is a bad, this isn't a bad thing, or this is actually like pretty great. Like you don't know how good you have it kind of thing, you know? So, um, or, or vice versa. Like if you've had a really amazing experience in a prior school, it's, uh, yeah, it's tough. It's change in general is, is tough, but I, I, for the most part really thrive off of change. Like I get bored very easily. So, you know, you just adapt to the situation and, um, and just try to like, it's all about your mindset too, like, and make the best of it and, and find something positive to, you know, look forward to that day. Or, um, I mean, cause it's, it can be a tough transition for sure. Yeah. And, and to your point of, you know, I, I went into this year, I'm, because I, I, by trade, I'm a social studies teacher, mm-hmm. but in this alternative setting, I taught science. Right. So I, I went in and I'm like, okay, I'm moving home. Uh, I'm going into this new school. I, I'm just going to be humble. Like I'm really yeah. going to step back. Yeah. And uh, and I regret – I don't regret that mindset, but mm-hmm. I, I regret that there were opportunities where I could have stood up for things that I thought were uh-huh. important and I could have yeah. gave my opinion in situations and, and at times stood up for myself. Mm-hmm. more than I did mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm, I'm going to just be humble. And so yeah. it's, it's a really fine line. Cause I think mm-hmm. I was humble and then mm-hmm. people often took that as I was, you know, not engaged or didn't care. Yeah. Right. And right. you can go to the other side and say, I'm going to be opinionated. Well then, you know, they're going to say that you're, you're whatever you are. So it's kind of, yep. I feel like I was on the other end of that. I feel like I needed to like, just, button my mouth and just show up, do my job. But yeah, I mean, cause I, I'm passionate. I'm a very passionate person. I've always been very passionate about, especially about things that I really truly love. And, um, like I told you, being a teacher is something I've always wanted to do. So yeah, it's hard, but I, so I kind of tell myself that like mid year, I'm like, like calm it down now. Like, you know what I mean? Just yeah. like simmer down and, and like there are some, a lot of there's just things that are bigger than you. What's that serenity prayer? You know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> sometimes you just yeah, have to repeat yeah. that, like yeah. give me the strength to know the difference of things I whatever can yeah. control. And I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, though. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's 
I, I can totally relate. And I wish I actually would have gone into it more with your mindset. But, you know, you have, so you, <laughs> you have regrets on one end. Maybe yeah. I do on the other side. Yeah. And I think just being new, being new your first year anywhere, whether it's your first year teaching or first year at a new school, it's hard. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, let's kind of shift the subject off mm -hmm. of, you know, the two of us and let's, yeah. let's talk a little bit about, about art, at, you know, what you're so passionate about. So what yeah. do you think is, is the, you know, why is art an essential part of student development? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think what makes me, um, I, I would say like, one of the things I always do when I'm teaching is I always think back to my own experience and like my own childhood for whatever reason, my elementary school days are so incredibly vivid and like middle school, high school, I don't know, maybe I intentionally blocked that out, but like, I couldn't tell you anything like maybe teachers or anything, but I just remember being an elementary school student and I was always very average, like in terms of academics and, you know, I worked hard, but like was a terrible test taker. And, um, and I just remember being a visual person. Like if I could get my hands on something that we were learning about, I remembered it so much better. It became more like real to me. Um, maybe I like probably had like undiagnosed ADD or something, but, um, so I just feel like being a student that I don't want to say I struggled in school, but I was definitely average, um, art, any experience with art or visual arts or any kind of visual connection, it just made it so much more enriched. And I retained the information. I could tell you exactly the projects that we did, you know, I swear, like first grade through fifth grade, if it involved some kind of visual element or kinesthetic, like I like to move to and, um, that kind of stuff. But so I just feel like it, it is a way for you to help students like better learn certain concepts and um, engage them on another level rather than just memorizing, like truly learning it. Um, I just, I'm very, pat like I really try to um, connect with my um, classroom teachers and learn about like what they're teaching in the classroom so that I can try to incorporate it if it lends itself into things that I'm doing in my room. Because I think when teachers like art teachers and or, or special teachers and uh, classroom teachers collaborate, like it's the best possible situation for the child. Like everybody wins in that situation. So, um, and I, I, the school that I left in Charleston was an arts integrated school. Um, and so that, I mean, when I took the job, I didn't feel like 100% confident in arts integration, but it was a wonderful, wonderful school that taught me so much and really built up my confidence. And it has made me, I feel like, a better teacher going back into a, a like a public school um, because I try to keep all of those concepts like in my back pocket of like tying it to the curriculum or you know, and I, I try to make myself available to classroom teachers if they want it, um, if they're interested in pulling art into their classroom. Like, I want to be there to help. I don't want to just be viewed as a special. <laughs> I want to be viewed as a specialist. So if you need me, like, I'm here to help. Um, so it, it's, it was a pretty awesome experience of teaching in a school like that. Yeah. Um, so do you, how do... I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. Mm -hmm. So like how, how do you work then with the classroom teachers to help them get more art or, or visual kind of things into their classes? Is it kind of a, a back and forth or are you 
more helping them? Um, so in, in my old school, my, the arts integrated school that I left, um, it was, it was like an expectation between classroom teachers. Like they had to teach their curriculum through the arts, whether it was through drama, through dance, through music, through visual art. I mean, that was an expectation on there. And that's the whole purpose of the school. So then on the other end, and, um, and we also, the special teachers got those children twice a week. So in order to give up that much instructional time for them to come to the specials, it was an obligation on our end to, to pull in the curriculum. So our, my old administration would once a month, we would, all the specials teams would break up um, during a staff meeting and we would all sit and we would meet with a grade level. So like I would be meeting with like, let's say first and second grade that um, and we would talk about what are they learning in the next few months? What are some things that my, you know, um, my objectives and my standards that I have to teach? How can we marry the two together? So it was fabulous at that time was like built in or kind of mandatory um, for us to talk and to collaborate. And then the next month, like I would meet with, you know, let's say third and fourth grade or whatever. Um, so but now um, at my current school, it's not I mean, I'm we're not an arts integrated school. Um, and without like trying to step on toes and being new and coming in with like guns blazing, being like, Hey, I'm here as your art specialist, like use me. Um, that was not my intention to come in. So I kind of just, I feel like I'm trying to show the other, the art, the teachers at my school now, like, Hey, these are all the awesome things that we're doing. If at any point, you would like to use any of these concepts in your room or if you want me to help you like I'd be more than happy to and it's kind of more on like a want to know basis like if they show interest and they're um then I'm more than willing to help but I also don't want to be pushy because I don't want to be you know and that they have they've got their things they're doing you know these classroom teachers are under a lot of stress like with um standardized testing and everything so um I don't know if it, I don't know uh, if they feel like they have the time, you know, to pull art into the room. But if they can make it work, um, I try to make it available and I, I can meet it with them at any point. But um, I think that's something that maybe will be a little bit more like it'll just take time to establish that that uh, relationship, you know. Right. Right. So you teach K to five. And my my wonder is because I've read this and I've heard this a few places that you know as kids get older they and and this was my experience too as I got older I was less and less inclined to do art and yeah. I think it because it was because I was getting more and more self conscious is is that something you notice Oh absolutely yeah fifth grade I mean I feel like I could even like pinpoint like the point of the year in fifth grade um, K through four they're great. I mean, they just want to, they are so proud of their work. They take interest in it. They want to show it to me. They're, they want, they seek my approval. Um, in fifth grade, I would say like right around, like right after Christmas, like kind of maybe like around January, March or whatever, February, um, they just become more interested in, in their peers, um, whether, or just a more, I won't say, I want to say interested, more aware of their peers and aware of judgment. And therefore they get a little more self-conscious about their work because they don't want their friends to see if they don't feel like it's good, or maybe even they think it's good, but for whatever reason, they don't want to even set themselves up for 
um, for it to be like scrutinized or judged. So it's definitely real. But you know what's really interesting is I would, let's say my fifth graders did a self-portrait project, which is really tough. And they're very like, like kind of squirrely about it in the beginning anyway. Um, if I were to hold up a piece of art from a student, and, and a lot of times, and also with fifth grade, I'm, I always make sure I ask if I ever show their work in front of the group. I'll say, like, is it okay if I share this with everyone? Because otherwise, because I've done it before and they just, like, they sink in their chair, they cover their face. Like, they don't want anybody to, to know that it's theirs. So if I ask, you know, and I, and I show it, a lot of times, like, they do get a little embarrassed and they're more, they're less likely to let me share their work. But... Um, several years ago, when I first started my art teacher Instagram account, um, I I set it up so that I could connect with other art teachers. That was my full intent in the beginning. It's like, oh, great. I can connect with other art teachers and share some work. Well, then some of my fifth graders who were allowed on social media somehow found this account, which is fine. It's, I mean, it's all art stuff and not a big deal. Um, but I had like forgotten that I made it and like forgot my password, forgot everything. One of my fifth graders came up to me and was like, Miss Costello, which was my old name, Miss Costello, um, how, like half, basically the whole fifth grade is following you on Instagram and you like never even post anything. <laughs> I was like, uh, what? <laughs> so I was like, well, do you want, do you want me to post on it? Like, and I was like, do you want me to put like your art on there? They're like, yeah, like you totally should. So I'm like, okay. So I like somehow hacked into my account. I started taking pictures of their work um, to share uh, with their parents and their families. And it was so funny. Like, all of a sudden, when I'm walking around and I'm checking out their work, they would be like, are you going to put this on Instagram? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You won't even let me share this with 25 of your of your, of your classmates. And yet, you want me to put it on the internet where everyone in the, in the world can see it. And so, I just thought it was so interesting or scary. I don't really know. It made me feel kind of like, wow. But then I realized like, okay, if this is a motivation, a motivating tool for you, um, then why would I not embrace it? You know what I mean? So, um, that ended up, and and I, I don't ever promote my Instagram, um, with my students at all. Like I don't tell them I have it, but I do tell the parents, I tell them in a newsletter that I, I have a social media account that they can follow to see their progress. And so then of course, some of the parents will tell their students, but, but it's just interesting. Like if they see me walking around with my phone to take pictures of their work, they all like straighten their back and they look like they're really busy. And, and, and I'm like, wow, if, if this is what's motivating you, then, then awesome. You know, like I'll, I'll go with whatever works, you know, and it's not involving like bribery with candy. (laughs) That's so, that's so crazy to me to, I mean, it it doesn't surprise me, Yeah. but it's just so crazy to think that that's the way the world is that I know rather than having, you know, to show something in person. Yeah. It just shows that that, that means more to them. Like Mm -hmm. being, being Instagram famous and or having like a buffer, like, yeah, you know what I mean? When, when you share your work with people in real life and you are reading their face and they, let's say they don't give you that like approval that you're, you're seeking, that can be really heavy for on anyone, adults, right. children. Um, so I think not having that immediate response, it creates a buffer and it makes it for them maybe feel a little safer to share their work so they're not putting themselves totally out there because 
you know, I, I have some fifth graders who follow me now and, um, and it's like, and I've, I've loved, they have been, they'll tell me like, you've inspired me to make art at home and they'll take pictures and they'll post it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing that this 11 year old is, I I mean, it's a way for me to know that like, I guess I'm getting through to them that I've inspired them in a way that they want to make art outside of my classroom and then also be comfortable enough to share it. So, um, it's kind of crazy. Like if I can see them doing that on social media and not see like a duck face or something, I am all about it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, the You know, it's so crazy too. And you know, we had at the high school I worked at, there was just very much like, Hey, this, the, the kids can have their phones, but they're not supposed to have them out. They're not supposed to be doing this and that. And it just yeah. was like a never ending battle. Oh yeah. And you know, I was close with a lot of kids and all of a sudden I noticed that like every once in a while I would turn and somebody would have like their phone sideways, like taking a picture of me. And I noticed like that these kids were like in this game of seeing who could Snapchat my picture to each other. And I was like, okay. But, and I thought it was weird for a second, but then I was like, man, these kids put like their most important things out on Snapchat. And the fact that they like me enough. And and then it became like, hey, can we take a picture today? And I was finally like, fine, let's take your picture. And then it became every day they wanted to take a picture with me. So it's it's crazy how much different the uh, the school landscape is than when than we were in school. Did I lose you? Oh, sorry, sorry. I muted myself. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say. I was like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was just. Oh, oh. it's my fault. No, um, it's fine. I forget what I was. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, it's funny. So my fifth, uh, fourth, and fifth graders got iPads this year, and I was like, I'm gonna embrace this, and um, you know, so we did. But like they took pictures of themselves for self-portraits. I use it for visuals. But it was interesting when I would provide them with a worksheet or like drawing inspiration or like we were doing Zen tangles, which is like this whole relaxation drawing technique with all kinds of patterns. Um, they would take pictures of my visuals with their iPad. They're like, can we take a picture of this? And, and I was like, yeah, sure. Or they would, uh, if I was showing them something on my document camera, they would like hold their iPad up and take a picture to remember it or, or to do it at home. And I thought that was like also really cool to, to see that they are interested enough in what I'm teaching them that they want to document it to, to do it at home or, you know, whatever. So it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what do you think is the benefit for, I mean, you know, we could say adult teachers, but just adults in general from, mm-hmm from some type of artistic practice. Cause I, I don't do it enough, but I really mm-hmm. have enjoyed the times I've done like yeah. the painting classes or, or stuff like that. So what do you think right. the benefit right. is for adults to do that? I mean, I think it's not too far from children. Um, it is a fabulous relaxation tool. Um, if I've tried 
recently to start, I mean, it was actually like last, last winter, I decided to try to draw in my sketchbook every day, um, just for me, like something small. And it was hard at first. Um, but I would carve out this time every morning when I would get my coffee before my son was awake and I would take 30 minutes, like no more than that to, to draw in my sketchbook. And when I would find myself like, let's say I skipped a morning or I was too busy, I like, I felt anxious. Like I, I had a little bit of anxiety that would carry me or stay with me all day long if I didn't have that time. And it was funny because I didn't even think I needed it because I had not been drawing every single day, you know, every day of my life. But when I, when I realized like how much I enjoyed that time and how it just helped me to, well, it helped me wake up. It would help me to uh, kind of get my brain going. I felt like I was more prepared to go to work in the morning. Um, it helped my fine motor skills. So, I mean, there's just so many benefits. It helps with like stress relief, which I already said, um, anxiety, depression. Um, and like right now at, at my school, we're currently doing a big like movement with mindfulness and not, I don't want to say meditation, but just allowing your like breathing techniques and that kind of stuff as a stress reliever. And I think I would have a really hard time with that, just sitting and kind of meditating. But but essentially, drawing, or if you're interested, like there's this art called Zentangling, which you can Google. It's it's basically this mindful practice of uh, pattern repetition. It's not meant to be hard. It's not meant to be strenuous. Um, but it's all about the way that it makes you feel. And it makes you feel almost like time slips away. Um, you be, you become more focused on what you're doing. Um, there's just so many benefits to to living trying to maintain a creative life. And it's hard because now that, you know, we're adults and we have responsibilities and we have a million things going on. It's really hard to set aside the time, but I found myself like now that I'm a mom and a a working mom, I mean, my time is very limited. And I found myself like debating like, okay, do I go to the gym or for this hour or do I sit and I work in my sketchbook for an hour? And a lot of times I would skip the gym, which I don't think was necessarily always right, but I would skip the gym to have that alone, quiet art time to myself. Um, and I feel like it really was giving me the same benefits that working out would have too. You know what I mean? Like a release or like, I mean, I think a lot of us can relate to working out makes you feel better. It, it, you know, reduces stress. Um, and for me, like art does the same thing as well. So, try to now I'm trying to live a more balanced life (laughs) and my summer goal is to exercise more and yoga and all those things. But, um, I think a lot of the benefits that I get are the same. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm disappointed. I wish I would have scheduled this better because (laughs) when this episode comes out, the teacher heart out Vegas will already have passed. Yeah. But I'm, I'm super pumped to get to see your, your presentation. Um, I know. But um, could you just explain kind of what your presentation is and, and also to why, you know, what makes, you know, a conference like Teach Your Heart Out, you know, so special and why people should want to attend? Want to come, yeah. Well, so before I was even like – invited to present, which was a total dream. I mean, I would just follow it on social media and I'm like, oh my gosh, it just looks so exciting and um, motivating and empowering. And everyone just is like, I mean, I've just, I'm so excited to have PD, (laughs) like 
that is just uplifting and exciting and beneficial and, and motivating. Um, so, I mean, this is my first teacher heart, first teacher heart out experience. So I'm as excited as you are, um, to experience it firsthand. But, um, so the presentation that myself and um, my friend Chelsea are doing is, um, called teaching takes art. And it's basically a, classroom teacher friendly um art workshop so we want teaching it when i was teaching in my arts integrated school um the teachers were so fabulous and open-minded to trying art but a lot of times they would come to me and they're like listen i really want to do this like charcoal cityscape when we're when we're teaching about you know whatever um but I'm not really even sure how to use charcoal. So can you show me like, so I can teach it properly? Like, or what's the difference between oil pastels and chalk pastels? Um, little things that maybe if you haven't studied art in the past, like you don't know, and you really, it's, it's tough to teach a subject that you don't yourself feel confident in the content. So we want our objective for this workshop is for classroom teachers who have an interest in art, but maybe just like aren't quite confident yet to come and just ex and experiment and learn and ask questions. Um, we have some of our favorite um, art supplies that, you know, are really fun for students, fun for adults. Um, and also to get it in, in your mind that you don't have to like view yourself as an artist to, to be able to teach art to children or to be able to integrate it into your lessons. And I just want, I really hope that, um, after teachers leave, they have light bulbs kind of going off the whole time, like as they're experimenting and, um, you know, kind of doing the, the art activities that we have planned, they're like, Oh my gosh, this would be perfect for my biographies unit, or this would be perfect for, um, my lesson on symmetry. Like I want, there to be those them making those connections between their curriculum and things that we're going to show them um on the art on the art side of it um it's very user friendly i just don't want anybody to feel intimidated or uh insecure about um coming in and being like well i'm not an artist i mean i feel like that's every teacher who's ever drawn on a board and they try to like they start it with well i'm not an artist and like automatically then you set the tone for your students that whatever you're about to draw is going to be terrible. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and they will expect it to be bad because you just set it up. We're like, well, this, I'm not an artist. So, you know, whereas if you didn't, even if you didn't even say that they, kids are funny. They think like you, you draw the silliest little thing and they're like, wow, you're like the, a real artist, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, I want the teachers to feel as confident about art as like kids do. Kids are so carefree within the art world until they hit that fifth grade, you know, questionable <laughs> zone. Um, so I want the teachers to be confident and excited and, uh, and open-minded to incorporating art into their own lessons. And, and I saw too, you're, you're going to be presenting on the cruise next summer as well, right? I'm not presenting, but I am coming on the cruise. Okay. Good. So yeah, yeah. I'm really oh. excited about that. I'll be so yeah, awesome. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be there as well. I'm oh, cool. really really looking forward to that. So yeah, what an amazing opportunity. Like did yeah. you ever think in a million years you would get get to go to a teacher conference to the Bahamas? <laughs> no, I did not. I didn't I awesome. didn't I didn't figure I would ever be going to Las Vegas for a I teacher's know. conference. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So so, cool. so could you talk a little bit too cuz I 
you know, studying your Instagram and looking over, I, I'm so impressed. Like the the of the one skill that I wish I really had, I wish I was a great artist. So I look at some of your commission work. Are you are you yeah. doing a lot of commission work still? And um, yes, this summer has been. Uh, I don't want to say slow because I have I have a lot of work I need to do, but I've had to put a pause on it just because of teacher heart out coming up. And then I'm also, um, working with, um, deep space sparkle on an online conference for them. So it's been, um, busy, but I, I love that painting time for me. Like that is that time, you know, that I was just telling you about like that de-stressing time, my podcast time. Um, and I love it. And, um, and it's, it's funny because I didn't start really doing commission work, um, I think, until I started doing my daily drawing, like, regularly and just kind of sharing it. And I think that kind of, I guess, you know, made some, maybe some people were more interested in, in getting some work done. But um, it kind of fell into my lap just with my own, like, in, intention of trying to stay um, – to stay relevant with my craft and stay and, and learning new things like watercolor is something that I never really did growing up. I was always like an acrylic oil painter. Um, and then when I was doing my daily sketches in my watercolor sketchbook, I had watercolors. It was, you know, it's easy. It's not, not super messy. It's not a big pain to get set up. And, and that's kind of how these, um, so I mostly do watercolor pet portraits and that's kind of how it, evolved into uh kind of what it is so but I'm looking forward to July and August like that is going to be my I'm just going to knock out as much as I can before the school year starts back up nice awesome awesome so to kind of round the uh the conversation out I'm going to ask you just a few more questions and these can be about teaching or they can be just about life so um what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who was the person that gave it to you um Oh gosh, I actually think I even like kind of already touched on that. So I think the best advice uh, I was given as, as a teacher was just don't be afraid to move away. Like if you want to teach, don't let anything stand in your way. If you want to teach, go look for a job. And if you have to move to do it, do it. Um, because I just don't think I would, I don't think I would be where I am today and the kind of teacher that I am today if I didn't take that risk in just packing up my life and moving. And even if, even though it was in a, a school that I never really saw myself teaching in, like it was, it was an amazing four years. And, and I, it's, compl- it's definitely like a, a building block of to where I am now. So, and that was from my um, former high school art teacher. Nice. Um, if you could give struggling teachers one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say just don't give up. Like everything is a season. That first year of teaching, you're in survival mode. Just know that everybody has been there. Every single teacher that first year, you're just trying to survive and you're always playing catch up and you're staying late. Um, But it gets easier with every year that you teach. And I feel like I didn't hit my groove until like my fourth year teaching. And even still, everything is always evolving. Everything's always changing every year. Um, so just know that like, if that first year is, is exceptionally hard, don't let it define you. Like, don't make it, don't let it think that, that you're a bad teacher or this isn't the right job. Um, 
if you really struggle. Because we all struggle. We all struggle that first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can <laughs> I can attest to that for sure. So mm-hmm. um, what is and, – and if you're – since you're a podcast listener, yeah. um, what is either, you know, the best book you've read or the best podcast you've listened to this in the last year? So I have been terrible with my reading. I have all these books I want to read, but – like I told you, like I get two hours of nap time a day and I have to like savor every moment of that alone time. So that's when I'm usually like painting or commissions and things. So I've been doing a ton of podcasts. Um, I love, well, lately I've been, I've just finished the podcast up and vanished. I think that's like, it's kind of, I think it came out last year, but I'm real into those like murder mystery ones. Um, Dirty John was another really good one. But I also love Ted Radio Hour. Um, it's like one of my favorites. Or also like um, How I Built This is another podcast that I really love. Um, I think it's important to listen to successful people and to hear what their advice and what they've done and also hear their backstory and their struggles. Um, I think it makes it, it makes it easier for you, especially if you're going through like a roller coaster kind of time in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of the How I Built This, but I'm gonna have to check it out now. Yeah, they um oh gosh, who does that? Guy Roz? Guy Roz, I think. Um yeah, like they they just there's a ton the guy who well, I'm gonna be terrible now with names, but um just different franchises like Jenny's um Jenny's ice cream, like she's the she talks on there. There actually was an interview with Kate Spade. Um the dude who who made chipotle so there's just really um yeah or like the guys who started warby parker and their company Mm -hmm. like their their story it's really neat it's really neat to hear about how they they got where they were awesome all right so um you know we talked a little bit about instagram and those kind of things so who are who are a couple people that you think every teacher should follow on instagram um, let's see. Gosh, there are so many. Um, I have a million art teacher friends that I follow, um, that inspire me daily. Um, there's a fabulous art teacher in Nashville. Her name is Cassie Stevens. Um, and she has just been, she's like always, she's there for you when you're in a pinch all the time. She has a blog, she has a YouTube channel. I mean, she shares so many fabulous ideas that, you know, if you're like in a rut and you, you need a, or you're sick and you need a sub plan at the last second, like, She's her, she just has so many resources that she willingly puts out there for everyone. Um, another art teacher that I follow that's actually um, she teaches out of her home is her name is Bar Rusi, and her Instagram and blog is Art Bar Blog, and she really inspires me um, with art to do with my son. Um, she does a lot of stuff with like younger children and kind of like a Reggio Emilia approach of let children explore and the process of art making and not so much the final product. Like it doesn't have to look a certain way. It's about the experience that these children have that they're going to remember. So she's fabulous and really has helped me kind of with some of my like adapted classes and things like that. Um, but there's, but honestly, without sounding like a fangirl, a lot of the teachers that are going to be at Teacher Heart Out oh, yeah. are amazing to follow, like yeah. uh, Bethany Humphreys um, teaching and so forth. I think it's amazing how she in- incorporates music into her classroom and um, just kind of breaking down those traditional walls of standing in the front of the room and lecturing. Like she's standing on tables, she has songs, chants. Um, mm-hmm. It just makes 
it just feels so exciting. And so I learn a, a ton from classroom teachers. Um, so those are just a, a, a couple to name a few. I could give you a list of like probably 25 teachers who are nice. so amazing. Nice. All right. So um, what is your proudest accomplishment to date? Um, gosh, that's tough. I would say to be back and teaching in my school district um, was a pretty big, I felt pretty good about myself just because um, it's a goal that I set a long time ago. And, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful district and it's a wonderful area. And, um, and so, and it was a very grueling interview process. So to get through those interviews, I was like, okay, I feel, I feel pretty good. I mean, so that was, that was always my biggest uh, goal, but I think to be still an, like a practicing artist and also art teacher um, is, I think it's hard because you're, I mean, it's like you, you know, you're talking about history all day long. Like do you, how much do you want to talk about when you go home kind of thing? Yeah. So like if I'm yeah. doing art all day, I'm like, Oh, I'm burnt out. But um, when I find art that I love to do and it makes me feel better, you know, feel good. Um, I think it's uh I, f I found that balance for, cause for many years, my early years teaching, I was like, heck no. Like you couldn't pay me to paint a picture for you. You couldn't pay me enough money, but now I'm like, I've embraced it. I love it. It makes me more excited to share my work with my students, which I think is important that you kind of demonstrate your mastery of a skill. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of a weird question to ask. I feel a little strange answering it, but like that's no, that's it <laughs> that's good so um before we get to the last question people want to connect with you want to, to follow you what's the best way for them to do that um the best way is just through my instagram which is at art with mrs dot e um i am like I think I attempted to start a blog at one point. It's like very lazy. Uh, I just can't, I can't stay on top of it. But Instagram is something, I don't know, it's the way it's set up, but it's very easy for me to share my ideas uh, kind of quick and easy without a full on blog commitment. <laughs> but right. I'm always, you can always, uh, I have my email attached to my Instagram. So I, I mean, you could always email like specific questions or DM me. Um, I'm always willing to help, especially new first year teachers or early, you know, teachers in their early years or teacher in teachers in tougher areas um, that really struggle. Like that, that I, I remember being there and it's tough. And I just remember, and you, you know, cause we've been teaching about the same amount of time. Like there was no Instagram, you know, when we first started teaching, no. there was no connection. And I remember just feeling so alone. I remember feeling like on my own Island, um, and just floundering, you know, and just figuring things out. There was no Pinterest. There was no, it was just hard to access ideas and help. So now I'm at a point where I'm like, I just want to pay it forward. I want to, you know, I had some, I did have some wonderful mentors along the way who helped me one-on-one. -on -one. So anything I can do to help new teachers, um, I'm more than willing to do that. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, so our final question is, um, what do you want your legacy to be? Man, that's tough. So I think my legacy, if I had to, I would just want my students to, I don't care if they don't remember my name or they remember face or they remember projects that we did, but I just want them to remember the way that they felt when they were in my room and they were in my class or when they were making art, like the way that they felt. Um, because I think that will translate into having 
fond memories and, and of art and then leading into an appreciation of art. And then as adults, even if, you know, they don't pursue it as a career, as a hobby or as anything, they still have an interest in it and are willing to take their children, you know, to go see, go to the closest art museum or just staying cultured, you know, and sharing visual art with, you know, their friends, family, whoever. I just, I hate hearing people who are like, oh, I used to love art. Oh, but then my teacher told me I was a bad artist and I pretty much shut down. Yeah. And like, they remember that. They remember that. I don't, I don't know how old they were, but they remember when somebody told them like they weren't good at art, period. And that's where it shut down. So right. I just want my students to have fond memories and, and love, remember loving my room and my space. Awesome. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks, Kyle. I feel like we, I just chatted your ear off a little bit too much, but no, <laughs> that was No, okay. absolutely. It was all good. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks.